Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. Just go to your app store, Google Play Store, download the app for free. Favorite WILK, you got us. You can also find us wherever you get your favorite podcast. Just search the Rob O'Donnell Show. We're in 36 different platforms for podcasts. Wherever you get yours from, I'm sure you could find us. Download it to your inbox each day. Again, you got us. 42 degrees and cloudy now at 5.09 here at the station. Uh, it's time for Do I Have a Case with attorney Keith Figure to the Figure Law Group. Keith, thanks for joining us on this Friday. My pleasure, Rob. <laughs> uh, we got some uh, doozy of cases today. Uh, let's start off. Uh, I was injured at work and my boss is giving me two options. File a workman's compensation claim and collect two-thirds of my pay and submit all my medical bills via that program, or they will continue to pay me my full salary and my bills that arise. Is this legal? Are there pros and cons to either? All right, so this is a loaded question. So I think it's first important to discuss how benefits are calculated. Um, In Pennsylvania, uh, the most common is because I believe a lot of employees are hourly, um, and assuming that the employee had worked the preceding year prior to the injury, the employer will actually go back those four 13-week periods, take the highest three, and then average that together to what's called an average weekly wage. Now, for the calendar year of 2023, the maximum weekly compensation rate is $1,273 per week, which is based on an average weekly wage of $1,909.50 or or an annual wage of $99,294. The reason that's important to understand is if the individual earned over that, um, the, the benefits would be capped. And the reason this is important is because I believe the individual the way the question is worded is thinking that he may be entitled to more pay if he takes 100%. That may not be the case. Um, Where that may not be the case is if during that preceding year, the individual worked a substantial amount of overtime, the average weekly wage may be higher. And you have to also keep in mind that although they take 66 and two thirds of that average weekly wage, um, when the employer is getting paid their salary, there's taxes taken out of that. So just because the employer may be indicating they're going to be paying 100% of salary, it doesn't mean that they're going to be bringing home more than what they would be working under workers' comp. So now aside from that, um, if an insurance company or an employer makes a wage loss payment um, in lieu of compensation, what that means is say they come to you and say, look, I want to pay you instead of having the insurance company pay you. Um, What the court actually looks at is the intent of that payment. Um, If it's an accident, meaning the employee was off and they just merely received another check on payroll, that's not going to amount to an admission and create an acceptance of the claim. However, if the employer specifically says, look, I'm going to pay you in lieu of the workers' compensation benefits, um, that can act as what's called a de facto notice of compensation payable. A notice of compensation payable is what the employer has an obligation to issue either a notice of compensation payable or a notice of compensation denial within the 21 days of notice of that injury. And this gets to the last part of that question that there are time limitations which can waive the claim if the employee fails to provide notice of that injury or take certain action. So you have to be careful because if the employer is savvy, they can basically entice the employee into a false sense of security. And then if one of those 
periods gets missed, uh, they can end up waiving their claim. So what I would recommend is that if the employee does indeed sustain an injury, you need to report it, that puts the obligation on the employer. It's, an, it's vital that the work injury be formally recognized by the Bureau of Workers' Compensation so that the worker is protected. And once that happens, it would be important for the employee to reach out to experienced counsel to discuss their rights and know what their obligations are. They have to understand that um, in these types of cases, it really doesn't cost the employee anything at that juncture because the only way my fee attaches is if I go to court and I'm ultimately successful. If I can aid that individual into getting his benefits without going to court, he's going to get his benefits free and clear of any attorney's fee, and he may end up returning to work, and I never get a fee, which is fine with me, um, as long as that individual is being protected. Yeah, one of the things I saw with this case, just from my experience with this, is if down the road, because if you if you declare a workman's comp injury, uh, injury dur- through the process, the normal process, and you have to have something, say, 10 years down the road, you have a, a complication or something from that same injury, um, the first way that this is being described, where they'll just take care of your bills and pay you your full salary, you may not be covered for that then, right? Correct, because the claim was never formally accepted, and it goes back to the time limitations. If they fail to act within that time frame, regardless of what prior actions may have been taken, their claim may have been waived. And if you file a formal claim with workman's compensation and go through their insurance and everything like that, how long is that injury covered for down the road? It's basically covered until either the claimant settles the claim or they actually go before a judge and a judge finds that the individual has fully recovered. Otherwise, the claim would go into what's called a suspended status, and that can be there indefinitely. However, again, there are certain time frames in which to either reinstate benefits, and, and it gets very complicated based on the last payment of medical and other issues that might arise. Which is why it's always great to get professional advice in regards to it. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> All right, the next question. Uh, I applied for a promotion at my job, which is part of a national company. During the interview process, my local manager verbally informed me that I was the best qualified candidate, but the corporate... Uh, that corporate has stated the promotion needs to go to someone from an underrepresented community, and therefore I would not be getting the position. Do I have any recourse? All right, so I believe that most of the listeners, and I'm sure yourself, are familiar with the recent Supreme Court ruling that determined affirmative action violated university admission policies, which was just recently. Um, Specifically in that decision, the court determined that the use of race as a factor in admission Uh, decisions at universities was unconstitutional. Um, And of course, that decision has effectively ended the practice of affirmative action in higher education and has sparked a lot of debate and discussion regarding the role of race in in college admissions. Um, What a lot of listeners probably have not heard is actually a much older case in 2009, uh, Ritchie uh, v. Stefano, in which the Supreme Court held in that case that an employer cannot engage in intentional discrimination as a means of avoiding or remedying an unintentional disparate impact. And what that means is that private companies cannot make hiring or promotion decisions based on race, even if their intention is to promote diversity or address past discriminations. In that case, I believe it was New Haven, Connecticut, where they used objective examinations to identify firefighters best qualified for promotion. 
when the results uh, of the exam to fill the vacant lieutenant and captain position showed that white candidates had outperformed minority candidates, the city threw out the results. The court held that the city's actions in discarding the test violated Title VII, which basically says Title VII prohibits intentional acts of employment discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, and national origin. Now, there are a number of other pending cases. Um, one uh, specifically, I believe, in the District Court in New York, where a group of white employees sued their employer, claiming that the company's affirmative action policy discriminated against them, um, specifically arguing that the policy gave preference to minority candidates, even when they were less qualified. So I believe that with the recent Supreme Court, the prior DiStefano case, that there is a cause of action um, which uh, can be pursued. Of course, these cases are very complicated. And again, you would want to reach out to an attorney right away as I think the individual facts of each case and the actual ability to prove that their decisions were based on certain types of conduct specifically found in these decisions would depend on whether or not a cause of action arises. Mm, great advice there. Uh, and the third question here, I've been in two different stores in our area during the holiday season where active shoplifting had taken place. The second time was with my children. The store made no attempt to prevent these thefts and the suspect fled, knocking over a shopper as they exited. I don't believe there was an injury, but do these stores have an obligation to protect shoppers while they're on their property? All right, well, obviously it's understandable that witnessing shoplifting incidents can be unsettling, especially if you're with your children. You do not know if, they are, if the uh, shoplifter is armed, their general state of mind, and whether they will become violent. And fortunately, a lot of stores do not allow their security personnel to be armed, which can leave you and your children vulnerable, especially if the shoplifter is armed. Um, in fact, I'm sure a lot of you recall that not too long ago, the woman that was shot in the Walmart parking lot when she approached the in individual that was either, I believe, looking in or trying to break into her vehicle at the time. Um, that being said, in general, stores do have a responsibility pro to provide a reasonably safe environment for their customers. The responsibility is covered under what's called premise liability. Um, however, the extent of the responsibility can vary depending on the cir circumstances and, and, and the applicable laws. For instance, in Pennsylvania, business owners have a duty to keep their premises reasonably safe for business invitees. This means they need to inspect the property for any hazards, fix any dangerous conditions, and warn invitees of any potential risks. When it comes to preventing shoplifting, stores typically have loss prevention measures in place, such as security cameras and other issues. And in fact, some uh, stores where maybe in this particular instance actually direct their uh, personnel not to physically confront the shoplifter. However, if a store's action, actions or lack thereof create an unsafe environment that leads to injury, the store may be held liable for damages. For example, if the store failed to address a known hazard, in this instance, if the shoplifting was a regular occurrence, meaning it wasn't the first time it was happening, and other shoppers had been previously injured, the store would have known or should have known of that potential harm to its invitees, which would create a duty of care. And if that duty is breached and it results in an injury, the store could be held liable. So again, if something were to happen like that, and, and again, if there's no injury, uh, you have three parts of every case. You have of course, the insurance or who you can collect from, you have the, the duty of care, whether that's breached and then damages. So in this instance, if there was no injury, 
likely that there's not going to be any case to be pursued. However, if it did result in injury um, and the store uh, knew or should have known that for that uh, potential injury to have occurred and they failed to take the proper action, the store could be held liable. And why it's always great to consult with an attorney that can depose the store and find out if there were prior incidences and such like that to see if there's a case or not. Correct. All right, Keith, uh, again, for the, the listeners out there that want to send in a question for Keith Figured, you could email robert.odonnell at odyssey.com. That's robert.odonnell at odyssey.com. And, Keith, how can the listeners get in touch with you if they have a case that they want to bring to you? They can contact me directly. My uh, direct dial is 570-954-9299. They can also send me an email at Keith at figuredlaw.com, and they can reach me through my website at figuredlaw.com. Always great information, a lot to unpack today. Uh, Keith, you have a really nice extended weekend, hopefully, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. You as well, Rob. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Take care. Uh, it's 521 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. And thank you, Rob. This traffic update is brought to you by Penteladata Internet. It's a parking lot on 81 northbound due to an accident that occurred between the Wilkes-Barre Bear Creek exit and Pittston. That has you backed up all the way to the Wilkes-Barre Bear Creek exit and beyond, like a little beyond that. So if you do yourself a favor, try to get off somewhere else, although Highland Park Boulevard is going to be a bit bumper to bumper if you get off there. Um, there are delays that are going to hold you up, or try not to get on to 81 until the Pittston area. 315 is bumper to bumper with possible delays because of this accident. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone, WILK Traffic. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Valerie Smock. Tonight, mostly cloudy and windy, brief mix changing into all rain, low 40. Saturday, mostly cloudy and windy with fog early, a.m. showers ending high 43. Sunday, partly sunny and windy with a few flakes, high 30. Monday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, sunny and clouds, high 25. That cold front moves in on Monday, and it's going to be with us through the week, so be prepared for it. It's currently 42 degrees and cloudy here at 523, your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 41 degrees and cloudy at 536. Well, we're in here with Heather and Daniel from the Special Olympics of Northeast PA. And we have a special guest from our next door, Jumpin' yeah. Jeff Walker, WKRZ. They said he was going to DJ, and if you get 98 people, you're going in. I'm going in, and I hate cold anything, especially <laughs> water. <laughs> oh, my God, I did it once years ago, and I think my heart stopped. No doubt. I was telling him I do cold immersion therapy normally oh God, on no. a daily basis. Um, I'm a hot tub kind of guy. There you go. You and me both, Jeff. Yes. So he's both. done two in two different states. Yes. Oh, I've plunges. done numerous in different states. I wow. did about three last year in Pennsylvania, and I think I did four different locations in Virginia, but I could be wrong. 
Do you go in with any clothing? I mean, shorts, of course. Oh, absolutely. But there are some oh, no, people. I go in. I strip right down to a, a no. bathing suit, and I go in. There is... Less is more, because otherwise it's sticking to you. I don't like the clothes sticking yeah. to you. I hate that right. feeling. No, so you actually have the right idea. There are some people at our biggest plunge down in Virginia Beach. They go in with nothing but uh, bathing suits. Yep, yep. And Nothing. I don't, I don't work I'm my like, way I can never in do that. because that's a slow torture. Mm -hmm. I just right. go, and the one time I did it, Harvey's like, I ran and just dove underwater. And when that cold water hits your head, yes. you literally feel like your heart has stopped. Yeah. yeah. But it's, apparently it's... it didn't because I am here. There you go. <laughs> well, we have uh, on Friday, January 26th, is the Cool Schools Plunge from 9 to 1 p.m. And then we have Saturday, January 27th, where Jumpin' Jeff yes. Walker will be DJing. Come and on, that's, jump then. Jump with me there on a you Saturday. Go. On the 27th, the General Polar Plunge from 12 to 4. And you can go to northeastplunge.org or specialolympicspa.org and just check out for the Polar Plunge there. And you know what? I'm, I'm looking forward to this, but I need to jump into the next room over because nobody's at the controls over there. <laughs> All right, Jeff. We'll see you guys soon. Yeah, I'm sure right, you'll, get, you I'm sure you'll get your 98, so you better bring your towel in your bag. There you go. <laughs> well, there you go. Brought him in a little across, uh, across studios here. But it's going to be a great event. J Jeff, if you've ever seen him DJ, if you've ever seen him MC an event, mm -hmm. he's going to get the crowd going. And this is his co-MC. Yeah. Yes, we I got... am MCing the uh, Montage Mountain in a uh, polar bear costume. The, oh, there you go. So it's it's not a uh, full body. It's not like the the mascot costumes you could see ahead. It's like it's like uh, body length pajamas. Okay, yeah. You're gonna take that off to do the polo plunge. Oh. 100%. I don't want to get that wet. I have to save that for about three more plunges. Right. It's all over the place. A great event. Special Olympics again. People from ages two to eighty mm -hmm. get involved. Is there yes. is there anything else that I'm missing here, or that's pretty much? No, just wanted to share that uh, you had mentioned about North Pocono and the track and field days, and those are amazing. Um, but what we want people to know also is that it's year round sports training and competition. We have uh, three different seasons of sports um, that each end in uh, both regional and sectional and state competitions. Uh, and so coming up in February will be our uh, Winter Games, which is out at Seven Springs for your outdoor winter. Winter, uh, sports and then in March is indoor winter games in York uh, things like speed skating and figure skating and uh, floor hockey um, and then we have uh, summer games is in June and our fall festival is every year in November and if people want to look at what you do throughout the year, where can they contact your website or, or contact your yeah, organization? They, they can either go to specialolympicspa.org to read up on um, all throughout the state, or they can go to the Northeast uh, Pennsylvania's uh, Facebook page and just look at things that we've been doing. So that would be SOPA Northeast on Facebook. And again, if you want to look more direct to the Polar Plunge, it's northeastplunge.org. January 26th and 27th, the Cool Schools is going to be on Friday the 26th from 9 to 1. Saturday, January 27th, the General Polar Plunge from 12 to 4. You're going to see Jumpin' Jeff Walker from WKRZ and Daniel MC in that event and getting yes, in. Sir. And I guarantee you, you're going to get Jeff in the water because I know there's going to be 98 people there. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, keep us abreast of what you guys are doing throughout the year because it's a great event, great, great, great just to go and, and observe it. Even if you're not going in the water, go be part of it. I'm sure you'll have literature there about what you yes. guys do and such like that. Yes, and plenty of activities. It's uh, free to the public, free to spectators to, to be there. They don't have to plunge. There you go. And if you if you see a man in a polar bear costume, do not hesitate to come up and say hi. There will be more than one person in a polar bear costume, actually. Yeah. 
If you see a young man with a microphone in a polar bear costume, do not hesitate to come up and say hi. I love meeting new people. If he's with Jeff and he says his name's Daniel and he's a polar bear uh, costume, this is your guy right here. Yes. Sounds great. Tether, Daniel, thanks for joining us. I hope I'm looking forward to a great event again. If I'm in town, I'm definitely going to be there. All right. Sounds good, Rob. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. It's 541 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. And this traffic update is brought to you by Pentella Data and the UPS Store, the all-new UPS Store. Now open in Edwardsville. It is still very slow go. 81 northbound between Wilkes-Barre Bear Creek and Pittston due to an accident. That has 315 bumper to bumper heading northbound as well. And a lot of folks trying to get on to 81 in the Pittston area. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone. W-I-L-K traffic. You passed Jeff Walker, so you weren't sure where you were right (laughs) now. Now you have to head over there. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from meteorologist Valerie Smock. Tonight, mostly cloudy and windy. Brief mix changing into all rain, low 40s. Saturday, mostly cloudy and windy with fog early. A.M. showers ending high 43. Sunday, partly sunny and windy with a few flakes, high 30. Monday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, sun and clouds, high 25. It's currently 41 degrees and cloudy here at 542 at your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 41 degrees and cloudy outside at 546. I think that rain or snow mix, whatever it is, is going to move in. Anytime between 7 and 9 was the last I heard. So just be prepared. You're going to have some kind of mix wetness coming later today. Um... If we got a talk of uh, from someone from Do I Have a Case, I guess. Uh, hey, Rob, years ago I went to an electronics store to buy a cassette music tape. There was a suspicious-looking guy hanging around expensive video games. I made a purchase, and I was going to my car. Here comes that guy trying to run with secu- two security guards chasing him. I stuck out my foot and tripped him. The guards got him, LOL. Uh, you'd get sued now probably for something like that. It's unbelievable what's going on here. Um we're going to just go back to circle back to where we started today, where it's the police officer from Scranton has been identified by the Scranton Police Department. They have identified the, the wounded police officer as being nine year veteran detective Kyle Gilmartin, Gilmartin, who's currently at Geisinger CMC in critical but stable condition. Uh, in 2021, he received the 2020 2021 President's Excellent Award from East Coast Gang Investigators Association. It's my understanding that he served as a part-time officer at both the Duryea and the Old Forge Police Departments before joining the Scranton Police Department. The An individual involved with the shootings prior to, to the shooting, the officer-involved shooting, uh, Jeremiah Cleveland, 19 of Mayfield, Pennsylvania, was arrested again those were the two prior shootings that morning earlier that day at both uh they were located at the 400 block of harrison avenue and the 300 block of prospect avenue so far this is an ongoing investigation that's what he's arrested for was arraigned last night um i'm sorry the first shooting occurred around 11:50 p.m wednesday in the 400 block of harrison avenue where a woman reported gun, uh, gunshots fired into her home. Scranton police responded but did not find any evidence of shots being fired. 
Eight minutes later, a second woman called 911 to report multiple shots fired near her home. At the 300 block of Prospect Avenue, Scranton officers found evidence of gunshots and reviewed surveillance video that showed a dark-colored sedan running a nearby stop sign per the Pennsylvania State Police complaint. Suspects were stated to be live-streaming on Instagram and taking and talking about the shootings, according to the complaint. Cleveland challenged anyone with a problem to meet him in Mayfield and talked about having multiple guns at his residence when Scranton police began to monitor the feed and search for the suspects when the officer-involved shooting occurred. This is in addition to the one suspect that is also in critical but stable condition at CMC as well. No information as per the start of this was released on this case. Now, this Jeremiah Cleveland was arrested back in September of 2003 in Northeast Pennsylvania for assaulting, resisting arrest, and threatening state police on um, September 23rd, 2023. He was arrested. He was sent to jail on $50,000 cash bail. He spent a couple of days in jail because he obviously could not meet $50,000 bail, where on October 3rd, the status of that bail was changed from a cash bail to an unsecured bail, and he was released from prison. So here's an individual, 19-year-old, little punk, 140 pounds at most, 5 whatever at most, 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, maybe 5'8", at most. A little punk that wouldn't be anything you know, if he was not surrounded by state troopers mouthing off, given his smirks when he's being marched to the police car by state police last night in front of the cameras, um, calling out Channel 16 by name, pretty much, uh, telling the cameras that I'll be home in a little bit. I didn't do nothing. Uh, the, the address he gave when he was arrested back in September of 2023 was a Davenport, Florida address. That's located just south of Orlando, Florida, if you're not familiar with that area. And the address he's given now is Mayfield, Pennsylvania, where he allegedly lived. Uh, So here's this little punk who attacks state troopers. They came upon a domestic disturbance, as they classified it, back in September. And when they got out of their cars, pulled up and got out of their cars, he charged them and assaulted one of the state troopers, resisted arrest. They handcuffed him. He threatened the two state troopers and was arrested. $50,000 bail. Here's someone who feels it's okay to assault and charge police officers and punch them in the face, I believe the report said. Um, $50,000 bail. Somehow our judicial system deems that, you know, this person should have unsecured bail and should be out among the, the populace for whatever reason. He's out there driving around our communities, shooting up houses. That's what he's charged with at this time. It's an ongoing investigation. We'll leave it at that. Let's hope that our investigators are as good as I know they are, and we'll see where this investigation goes. The individual that was shot at the scene in the exchange of gunfire with the officer by another officer has not been identified yet. Uh, Someone else was taken into custody at the scene, supposedly a passenger in a car who did possess a firearm in the earlier videos. I checked the court records. That person has not been arraigned as of yet, so there's no arrest paperwork on that person. So until there is, I'm going to just leave it at that. They did make note of it during one of their press conferences, so it's why I'm saying it now. But if you look at either my Facebook page or go to Channel 16 or wherever it is and see the picture 
of this individual with the smile on his face, the smirk, uh, his challenging the TV cameras, threatening them almost, and saying, I'm going to be out. Don't worry about it. The judicial system needs to, our justice system here needs to send a different message to this individual. Let our officers do the work that they do. Thank God that the officer is in critical but stable condition. Uh, like I said, when I got to the hospital yesterday around 7 a.m., it was a lot more grim looking than when I left at about 1230, where things were optimistic, were more optimistic. Hopefully that continues. Let's just keep praying for this officer. Uh, like I said, on uh, I've shared on my social media on Facebook, and the Scranton Police Department has shared on their Facebook, there are multiple community businesses that are doing something at this time. We have Pandarella's Breakfast and Lunch. Pancakes for Police from January 12th to the 14th. They're located at 107 East Drinker Street in Dunmore. They will be donating 100% of the proceeds from those pancakes to the officer's fund. Zumo's Cafe located on 916 Marion Street in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Tomorrow on the 13th, 10% of all purchases will go to that officer. And the Fraternal Order of Police Lodge 2, which covers the Scranton Police Department, has an active GoFundMe page that's on their website. I've shared all three of those on my Facebook page. The Scranton Police Department have shared them on their Facebook page. Um, it's great to see the community come together with this. But I, I understand it's frustrating not to have the information. I've been getting tons of messages from people that are trying to give me information. And, and uh, you know, thank you for that, but I'm not going to relay anything here. I'm not going to push anything, and I encourage you not to either. I don't care how good you think the information is. Let the police do their job. There needs to be no mistakes here. Everything needs to be done by the book because if these individuals would think nothing about charging and punching a state trooper in the face, driving around our streets, shooting up houses— exchanging gunfire at a cop in Scranton, they will think nothing about harming you, your loved ones, or anyone else. So we need to make sure that everything's done to make sure they're put in prison for as long as possible because they are a threat to society. They need to be treated as a threat to society. And when we recover from this and hopefully Detective Gilmartin walks out of that hospital with his brothers and sisters and his family by his side, we'll look to solve the problem here. It's already begun. There is departments from all over the country in Northeast Pennsylvania looking through every nut and bolt of this investigation. No stone will not be unturned. They will find whoever's involved here, and we need to address the gang problem. That gang problem starts at home with parents and family. It starts with our churches. It starts with our schools. It starts... With the friends around them, it starts with their social media presence. What are they into? Parents, we need to do better. If these kids all turn out to be 19 and under or whatever they are, we need to do better. We need to do better in making sure they're not involved with these these criminal enterprises. We need to know where they are when they're not with us. What have they been up to? What are they doing? And society needs to do better. We need to give our police the tools to address violent crime. We need to hold violent criminals accountable, not make excuses for them, not because of their age, give them a pass after pass after pass. We need to address this head on. It's the only way there'll be a future for our children and our grandchildren. 
It's 556 here at WILK. We'll be back. Well, that's it for the Rob O'Donnell Show this week. 41 degrees and cloudy outside, almost 6 o'clock. To our men and women out there in uniform, gun strapped to their hip, vest on, out there hunting down violent criminals, God be with you. Be safe. I know you'll leave no stone unturned in bringing to justice the individuals responsible for Detective Gil Martin's wounding. And to the family of Detective Gil Martin and his co-workers, our prayers for a full and speedy recovery to both him and the entire police community that's been affected by this. God speed. God bless. We'll see you again on Tuesday, guys.